0: I'm a creative, okay? There's like a creative muse that flows through me. So for me, the creative process is something that if I try to plan it, it doesn't work as well.
1: Welcome to the Tip the Scales podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRing. If my voice sounds different. (laughs) It's because it is. I've been at a conference recording podcasts. I had some speaking engagements and we've been in really loud environments where we have to scream to be heard. I also wanted to add that I'm going to be doing a solo episode where I focus on the local component of SEO. Just talking about Google My Business. It's now called Google Business Profile. If you guys have any questions regarding local SEO, please either shoot me a DM on Instagram, Maria Lawrank, or at tipthescales.podcast. Or leave a comment on our YouTube channel so that I can answer your questions during this episode that I'm going to do for you guys. Because I get a ton of questions asked all the time. Today I am joined by Ryan McKean. I actually had never met Ryan and it's rare when I have someone on the podcast that I've never actually met in person before. But I follow Ryan on LinkedIn and I just love his posts and his posts get so so much engagement. So I asked him if he would do me the honor and join me on the podcast. We talked a lot about LinkedIn, growing a law firm, being a trial firm. I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Ryan McKean.
0: Hey, Maria. Hi. Hey, I'm playing the part of Jen Gore today.
1: Yes, you are.
0: Very poorly. Nobody yeah. nobody has ever confused me with Jen Gore.
1: And nobody will. That's Sorry. right. That's Not right. in this life, at least. <laughs>
0: Not at all.
1: No. So we were just shit-talking Dean Ambrose. Yes, we were. Yeah. That's like my favorite person to talk.
0: He is a character. Like I know a lot of people and I know one Dan Ambrose.
1: Yep. Yeah. Nobody will confuse him. Nobody. Mm -mm, No, no. It's really funny watching him interact. And I use the word interact very carefully. It's more like not interact with my kids. So my kids were here yesterday and Dan just like stares at them like, like he doesn't know what to do. Really? Yeah, it's really. I thought he would get along better with kids.
0: That's that's what I'm taking from you. I would anticipate like like Dan is high energy, could be like on level with kids.
1: Not at all. He doesn't know what to say. He's like scared of them or something. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Interesting. It's
1: like me with dogs.
0: Another layer to the Dan Ambrose mystery.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Let's <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on like Dan. So let's let's skip that. The reason I asked you to come on this podcast is because I like your LinkedIn posts.
0: Well, thank you, Maria. I like your podcast.
1: Thank you. Talk to me about your LinkedIn posts.
0: LinkedIn comes naturally to me. Like I started really like my my legal career because my firm had a terrible website. So see, not not, not something done by Law Rank. Okay, right. okay. Ter- ter- <laughs> I terrible, terrible, so. terrible website. I'll put the, I'll give you their domain. You can put it in the show notes. Okay, okay, terrible. And so, but it was like 2007. And I was like, people are starting to find lawyers online, and I asked them like, can I have a blog, and they're like well, how much does that cost? I'm like, well, like $10 for a domain and like $70 for hosting. Like, okay. So I started writing a blog and, um, like I built, this was a time in like 2007, eight, nine, 10, where there was like Google reader and like people would like read my blog. And I got, I started getting over, like over a million views a year, like inbound links from Yale, like New York times. Like what did you write about? See the thing is I just wrote about whatever interested me. Like it was just a curiosity thing. Like I was it a, legal specific? Yeah, all law. It was a, it's a Connecticut law blog. It still exists for. Uh, Does it
1: still get traffic or not? Not really. It
0: still gets traffic. Yeah, no, because I got like, I you know thousands of views. It's an age domain. All those things that the SEO is like right. Um, in inbound links from places like yale and yukon and all sorts of places and it was just like but it's just like whatever interested me so there's an interesting case i go to court i see something um like the threshold was if it was interesting to me maybe it's interesting to somebody else
1: but what if it hadn't been like what if like you're like like really boring things
0: i, I probably do but the good thing maria, clearly not the good thing maria clearly is it worked. there are eight billion people on the planet there are 8 billion. And like most of them have like broadband access or 5G or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so if like one millionth of like 1%, like I didn't major in math, like you got an audience. Right. But No, I, I
1: get it. But I think a lot of people think the other way. Now, As a, like, of course, now it's as it relates to social. Right. Like, who's going to like my content? Who's going to relate? Like, people are very scared to go and post. Can I swear on this? Absolutely. Are you
0: fucking kidding me? Because like fucks I give like 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 fucks I give like if you're playing to an audience like fuck that like I try to write about what interests me in my voice that's mine. And it's sort of almost like a diary, so to speak. And if you're on my journey, you're on it. You're not on my journey. You're not on it. It's funny that you asked me
1: if you can cause um, I had Jefferson Fisher on the podcast and we have it on YouTube and I guess people Google him. So people watch it. So I had someone message me the other day that not only was it unnecessary to cuss, that they watched the episode with Jefferson and that not only was it unnecessary for me to cuss, but unprofessional. Really? Yeah. His trolls are like coming after me.
0: You know, that's um, like, imagine being, I guess, so relevant that people actually care about that. Um.
1: I bet they care about him and they think it, I, because he doesn't, I've never seen him cuss on like Instagram and his socials. So I think they felt like maybe it was like off brand for him. And like, I'm like the bad person.
0: Interesting. Blame the woman. I mean, it's just terrible, Jesus, right? right?
1: No, I know. Like, there
0: you go out there. If you're out there on YouTube, hating, it's not Maria, it's me. Okay. But so. who has
1: the time? No, they went and messaged me on Instagram. Don't. They, they didn't even comment on YouTube. They went to my Instagram and they like had to let me know.
0: Okay. Don't, DM Maria for me saying fuck yeah. and also if you do fuck you how's that I like that you like that you go. I do I
1: like that okay so you start this blog people read it and then how does that translate to LinkedIn
0: well, it just is because like, look, like the blog thing, like, like there's like before blogs were like SEO things, like there was a communities of bloggers and people who would just write about different things. Right. And that kind of like dies with Google Reader, uh, that God, you know, when Google kills Google Reader, that dies. Um, and essentially like the audience just, sh- the platform shifts from WordPress to LinkedIn. And so people are tuning into LinkedIn to get like professional information. Like that's what it is, right? There's so much stuff that's paywalled. There's so much stuff that's like censored, overprocessed, crap content that um, people start tuning into LinkedIn. And it's like, hey, I'm just going to share my thoughts there.
1: Are your thoughts for other lawyers or are your thoughts for the average person?
0: Uh, You know, most of my thoughts are like legal related, but it's like a lot of stuff I write about is like, I don't write about like three things to do after a car accident. Nobody's reading that, right? Nobody gives a shit. But I try to write about like my journey. Like I try to write about business. I try to write about leadership. Try to write about like healthy law firms, compassion,
1: shit like that. I think that resonates a lot with other law firm owners, right? Now, do you plan your content in advance?
0: No, really. I'm like I'm a I'm a creative. Okay, so it's like there's like a creative muse that throw, like flows through me. Um, like I love like Prince, right? But I cannot sing. Like that is like, but like the music flowed through the man, right? And so for me, like I can't sing a note, can't play a guitar, can't can't hit a drum on beat. But for me, it's just like. The creative process is something that, like, if I try to plan it, like, it doesn't work as well. Like, I wake up usually, and I have something in my mind, and I'm just like, I write it, I usually write the posts in, like, three, four minutes, and off it goes. And how's your grammar? Sometimes terrible. Really? My big thing is, is it doesn't matter. Like I've written posts that are perfectly written, but what people are connecting with is the idea and the voice in you. How often do you post? I actually post like once a day. And do you post on other platforms or is it just LinkedIn? Primarily LinkedIn. um, Because I get like, like last year, 3 million views. Like on my post. like that's a lot of people. That's crazy. For LinkedIn. Like, look, this, like this face is not selling Instagram. Okay. Okay, it can, can be real, but that's that does sell. Uh, it does work on LinkedIn, and you know more recently, like I've started to write on Facebook um, because Facebook has allowed for like content creator profiles.
1: Okay, I didn't know that. Is it a different type of profile?
0: No, it's my personal profile.
1: But you're just posting, so you're going back in time, basically. Because remember when people would just post, like, nope, not really pictures. It was like. Their thoughts,
0: like what they were doing. Do you remember that? Yeah, no, it, it's not just pictures, but it's like it's like thoughts on like life, and like I write about things that like hit like emotionally. Like it was just um, okay, here's one. Like I wrote a post um all about how like I got this record when I was fourteen, right? And it mm-hmm. like. And it it hit and I was like, I had my parents' record player and I listened to it. And then I put it away when the CD came out and I listened to it when I was 44. I'm 43, but it'll be 44 in a few weeks. And um, how like it just, it tapped into something deeper. And so starting to write not about like, hey, I had a cool time with Maria Monroy today, spoke at NTL or here are my kids, but sort of just like, but I'd say like are almost like People Magazine posts, right?
1: I still expect to post about how much fun you had with me.
0: Maria, I will make that post, okay? okay? Cool. thank we'll you. We'll make that post. Just making sure. My sort of belief in all this, right, is you have so much AI content being generated and it's only going, we're at the day one of all this stuff, yep. right? And so I think like there's an authenticity signal like in the like Google search results, like it's now showing like how many followers you have on LinkedIn, how many followers you have on Twitter in the in the SERP, right? And so I think that, you know, building audience on these platforms, like I think it's good because you're connecting with people. Like I post this stuff. I started doing it over Christmas and it led to four cases of me posting about like winter and shit.
1: That's what I wanted to ask you, like, are you monetizing it in some way?
0: The only way that I monetize it is by essentially people reading it, they like it, and then their friend gets hurt in a car accident and they call me.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. That's amazing. That's it. Some people think that Instagram, LinkedIn, social media doesn't work, which is, I think people are blown away by the fact that it works. And I think people are starting to, like, admit, okay, fine, like, I could see how it's working. But for a long time I think lawyers were really hesitant to believe that it did anything.
0: Look, I, I'm the I'm the first person in my family to go to college, uh, you know, let alone graduate law school. Like like I wouldn't be able to be here and have the success I've had and the career that I've had and all the wonderful things like being here with you, being at this conference, going to speak, all the people I meet here. I wouldn't be able to have it really. I wouldn't exist without social media.
1: I'm sure you've made your family super proud.
0: Yeah, my mom likes me. I bet. She's happy. So she likes my posts.
1: I'm the opposite. My both of my parents went to law school and I didn't even go to college. So
0: You you are crushing it. You are you are you are like you watch uh Ted Lasso.
1: I haven't in a really long time.
0: Okay. You are the Roy Kent. You are like here, there, and everywhere. Oh, I don't know what that is.
1: But I am I do feel sometimes like I'm yeah.
0: everywhere. You're a hustler.
1: And nowhere at the same time because it's hard to be present sometimes. That's like, my struggle is like, when I'm at conferences, I feel such a, like adrenaline rush. And like, I'm thinking of like, the next thing, right? Like, like, if I'm at a lunch meeting, I'm like, Oh, I have to go record this podcast. Or now that I'm recording with you, I'm like, thinking like, I got like, as we're doing this, like thoughts will come into my brain. Like, what am I wearing tonight? Like, I got to get ready. Like, I have this dinner, I have this event that we're hosting, like all these things. So for me, it's like, it's hard. And what I'm working on is can I slow down? Like I get that I have so much shit to do here, but like I need to like mentally, not even physically, but can I mentally slow down?
0: See, we're on vibe here. Like, and for me, the answer is No.
1: You don't think I can slow down?
0: I can't slow down. I don't think you can slow down. Like, I, I, like.
1: But I I would like to feel, like, more peaceful about it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't mean physically slow down, meaning I can still do all the lunches that I need to do and all the meetings and all the events and all the dinners and all the podcasts and everything. But can I at least come to it from a place where I'm not, I don't feel rushed, where I don't feel um, anxious. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Like I live in this space. Like I live in like, like the, the the future space essentially. Like that's sort of my job at the firm, essentially, right? To live to live in the future, and uh, you know, I it's a hard thing. Like it's it's a hard thing. I, I I don't I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, Maria. But I can just <laughs> tell you, like I, I I no, I just I just re- I relate to it. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. But I I also feel like I'm gonna be. uh, I'm gonna say something controversial. Like I do feel like there's some like present shaming that goes on. What do you mean? Like you got to be in the present, but nobody's in the present. That's bullshit. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I'm not even talking about that. I just want to feel less rushed and stressed and like like go go go. It's like an adrenaline that keeps me going through the conferences, and then after I like crash. Because I'm so drained, right? Because I accomplished so many things. So if I'm gonna go do all the things, can I at least do them from a pay from a place of like calmness versus like rushed? Maybe everybody that is super busy like feels this way, or that is like jumping from one thing to another. And I always feel like I could be doing more. I have been doing Yoga Nidra at conferences. It's like I can't stick to it in my like regular life, but for some reason. I stick to it at conferences because it, like, calms me back down and then, like, gives me energy.
0: Look, this is your business. is your job. Being here is so important. Like, and I guess for me, like, I I'd actually, like, I've cut back going to conferences. Like oh, it's,
1: I would love to do that. But I wouldn't at the same time. It's weird. It's a love-hate for me.
0: These conferences are an immense amount of work.
1: But they're so much fun, too. It's fun. So it's like, it's like a weird, it's just like, again, it's like a love-hate for me. Like, I'm, like, super excited when a conference is coming, but I'm also, like, stressed about it because it's just, like, go, 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 you know? Let's talk about your firm. When did you start it?
0: I, uh, I went out on my own in 2012. And I was basically like, well, I want to build an awesome law firm, right? And I, I did the thing, like I, I, I created a partnership with my friend, and like within six months we weren't talking. Within a year oh we my were God. partners. We're friends now. Hi Megan. Hi Kristen. <laughs> uh, we're, 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 we're friends now. Um, Where are you located? I'm in uh, Glastonbury, Connecticut. We're right outside of Hartford. Megan sends me an email one morning. It was a great gift. She's like, look, we need to end this. I'm like, yes, we do. And uh, I opened up my own office. I was a solo. Um, and so I was doing, um, you know, some personal injury, but I also did like a whole bunch of other things just to pay the bills. Like I didn't have marketing budget or anything like that. In 2016, we launched a Connecticut trial firm, my partner, Andrew and I, um, but that was more of like an expense sharing arrangement. And in 2019, we really merged firms and started really creating what actually is my firm right now.
1: What's your firm called?
0: Connecticut trial firm.
1: Okay. Oh, that is the name. That's okay. the
0: name. I started, um, it was just Andrew, me, and then I had a, a paralegal who has been with me for 20 years, all my almost all my legal career, Ruth, who was working part-time. Uh, my wife, Allison, um, you know, helps co-found the firm, and what she does is uh, she joins us um, because Andrew and I are smart enough to know, like, we are not going to do well at doing the books and the things like that. Um, we end up hiring a paralegal, but we also know, like, hey, um, we're going to overburden her because we have all these intakes and things like that. So we had an intake specialist. And so really in uh, like January of 2019, like there's uh, five of us. Okay. And now there's 37 of us. Congrats. Thank you. Does that feel good? Feels awesome. Yeah.
1: So how did you get there?
0: One day at a time. (laughs) Like one, uh, like constant hustle, a lot of worry. Um, Do you
1: think people are too impatient now?
0: I don't know.
1: I think so. I think the next generation, my kids' generation and- maybe like the young adults now as i'm curious to see how they start businesses because i i do i think social media youtube netflix has changed the way that human brains are like obviously i don't know enough about it i'm speculating but i do think that i mean attention spans are going down
0: sure the dopamine hits yeah, it's and it's, also, it's all about dopamine. And also, too, like I think in like the entrepreneur space, like there's all this bullshit. There's all like a huge amount of bullshit about being successful or people who haven't really accomplished something like flashing image of success. And for people who really do, though, I mean, like I was talking with Jen on the way down. like There are so many rough days that you're going to have.
1: I think the problem is that people don't share those days. Like you only see the finished product but like you're not seeing everything else that led up to it okay so 37 employees you said one day at a time but how did you start getting those cases
0: in you guys are a trial firm right so we started off and we would spend like four hundred dollars a month on avo but we would get like six cases so if you're out there and you're thinking about starting a pi firm like four hundred dollars for six cases like
1: Yeah, the days of our our long, long, long.
0: But what we did is we prioritized doing really good work for clients, prioritized making our clients happy. And we also prioritized, like, like we're like, okay, we don't have a bunch of $100,000 cases, right, that are on the windshield, but what if we can work a $10,000 case into a $100,000 case? So then, like, our caseload is now, like, 3x the value. We have, like, 10 or 10 times the value or whatever. So we started really getting good at trying to try cases and work our cases and fund into them with the idea that, well, we don't have a volume, but if we can sort of juice these cases and make them into more... Like that is sort of what became at the core of the firm at the core of growth. And then people started referring other people. We just started getting good reviews. For those out there, like there's a huge value in sort of vision and manifestation. And like we wrote down that, and we did like a EOS worksheet there. And we wrote down that we had, probably no cases worth a hundred thousand, that we want to have a case in 10 years. We want to have a $10 million jury verdict. that so we just put that out into the universe. Like we wrote it down. We want to be the best trial firm in Connecticut, which was completely audacious, right? Well, we ended up 10Xing that in five years. Um, and so sort of opening yourself up to that possibility, like writing it down, putting it out there, I think it's like you attract it. You can attract it in a way.
1: I agree and I disagree because I think that the book The Secret did a disservice to the idea of manifesting. And the, you'll agree with this, but it's not just go and like write it down and manifest it. It's like you still have to have the intent to actually achieve it, regardless of what it's going to take. So it's not like you wrote it down and then like forgot about it. It's like you work towards it every single fucking day.
0: Seven days a week, yeah. 60, 70 hour weeks, year after year, Monday through. Monday through Monday, no vacations, working all the time.
1: So did you have a recent big verdict? We had a
0: $100 million jury verdict, which is a record verdict in Connecticut. Connecticut's a pretty conservative state in that way. Like the highest prior verdict was about $30 million. And we hit um, one of the biggest companies in North America, one of the biggest companies in the world, Phillips North America, for a hundred million dollar verdict.
1: Tell me about the case.
0: What happened is we have our we have a client named Mikey Cruz, who I lo- love Mikey Cruz. Mikey Cruz, big Miami Dolphins fan. We're here in Miami. Shout out to Mikey. Um, and so what, what happens is Mikey Cruz works in a warehouse. Um, you have to think of it like sort of like a Home Depot, but for electricians. Okay. And so Mikey works at the counter and electricians come in and they say, Hey, I need some light bulbs. Mikey goes back into the warehouse and gets the light bulbs and then brings them up to the counter. And so what what happens is Philips North America makes this like TLED light bulbs, and they're very hot because, um, like, it's they're energy efficient essentially, and they're able to be put in and not. Like retrofitted, I don't want to board somebody, somebody, but it's a hot product. in, in September of 2017, so what mm-hmm. happens is it comes in from China, and what they it comes into a warehouse in Pennsylvania, and what they have to do is they have to wrap the uh, light bulbs, 1,300 pounds of light bulbs, to a pallet. It's called unitizing. Okay, so that way the load, the light bulbs, can't slide off the pallet. They don't do this, all right. And they ship the light bulbs out to Rexel. warehouse, and they get put up on a rack about 20 feet high. An employee on an adjacent aisle, a temporary employee on an adjacent aisle, sort of does like this. He lifts up a pallet on the other side. It catches the light bulbs. The light bulbs fall off, paralyzing Mikey Cruz. And so the whole case was essentially that they had to wrap the light bulbs. They didn't wrap the light bulbs. And as a result, Mikey was paralyzed. Our expert was like, it would have cost them $5 and five minutes and they couldn't be bothered.
1: It wouldn't settle?
0: No, they only ever offered us $1.5 million.
1: That's crazy.
0: Insane. It made it life really easy because we had no choice.
1: And did you ask the jury? I don't know if you're allowed to in, in Connecticut. Yeah,
0: we did. We did. We asked the jury um, and we, you know, we worked through a closing where it was like, you know, I came here and I thought about, uh, you know, asking for $150 million, but that was too much. And we worked down. We're like, well, but, you know, $100 million, um, you know, if you feel that that's the right number, I'm not going to ask for it. But, you know, I'd accept that.
1: And did you focus group it or oh, big yeah. data? or Yeah, anything we like- did
0: like... 10 focus groups on this. So we we had really good ideas. Um, we actually asked the jury for about $60 million and they gave a hundred.
1: Well, you also anchored them. Correct.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, correct. Like, I mean, there was a whole, there's a whole psychological component to the ask, um, but yes.
1: So what's it been like going from five employees at the firm to 37?
0: I think like there's a misconception out there in some ways that maybe running a small law firm is easier than running a big law firm. Really? Yeah, because it's how a, so? Because I have both money and people who are generally better at whatever their job is to put between me and problems or me and opportunities.
1: Okay, so you find this easier than say when you were at ten employees? Oh gosh, yeah. What kind of processes do you have in place though?
0: Lots, all of them. But that's we, why we created a pri- We started our firm and we created a private Wikipedia. Thing okay okay so we've got over a thousand pages documented on Wikipedia. Our team and our private Wikipedia. Our team do- uses it like twelve hundred times a month. So we've got all sorts of processes built out in our case management software. We've got tr- uh, Connecticut Trial Firm University where we do training using Trainul. Uh, so we do we do all these things, and we are like highly systematized. And the real advantage of that is it allows us to hire for skill set and not experience.
1: Have you ever used Guru? No. We just moved from traineal to Guru. Because the way that, are you, are you particularly familiar with traineal?
0: I am, like, moderately familiar.
1: The way that it looks to an employee, Guru versus traineal is a thousand times better. Because they can see, basically, the outline of anything that's in a module. Whereas in traineal, you have to, like, exit to, to, to see it. You have to go back. Versus having it right, I'm probably not doing it justice. But we used to love Traniel and we kept having that issue that it wasn't like easy to kind of jump around, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. So we moved. And we actually, my husband emailed the owner of Traniel and was like, hey, like, I love your product. Sent him a video and he was like, but look at this. And Traniel responded, I think. And they were like, thank you so much for the feedback. But then they never did anything about it. So we switched. Interesting. Yeah. And are you guys. Everybody shows up to the office or are you guys virtual or is it a hybrid?
0: What's that like? Hybrid. We have a number of people who work in an office. Uh, they're there because we want to. Uh, generally what we do is um we've always saw people fully remote. We've got people in Minnesota and New York and Alabama. Like we're we're all over we're all over the country.
1: What about overseas?
0: We have some people overseas. Yep. I've got uh, an assistant in Mexico, uh, we've got some people in Argentina, South Africa.
1: How did you find them?
0: We used uh, Get Staffed Up and Brett Tremblay. At some point, you just hire agencies or people to do the things that they're good at. Uh, yeah. You know, you pay a premium, but like just here, you deal with that.
1: Yeah, well, and it's cheaper than hiring here. So oh, yeah. I think it still makes sense.
0: It makes complete sense because like a VA cost us probably about $25,000 a year all in. An employee here, you're paying benefits, you're paying taxes, all sorts of things, uh, far more expensive and you're not getting anybody for $25,000. No, no,
1: no. No. I mean, I don't know. We we have offices in Mexico and we love our team down there.
0: My assistants from Mexico, we've had another assistant from Mexico. We've had some really great team. We've actually flown people out from Mexico to come hang out with us. And, um, you know, you have a really, at least the people we've worked with are highly educated, they are skilled and like they're hungry.
1: I think it's so interesting how the whole world has kind of opened up to the way that people can work. So you you take people in these countries that didn't have these opportunities and now they have these opportunities to to work for US companies. I think that's really neat. Do you do any offline advertising?
0: We are really primarily digital, okay? And we are starting to shift into we've done some TV but we're starting to expand what we're going to do on TV. Yes, we're going to get into billboards. It all feeds itself. Um, And so we're trying to tap those uh, channels that we have not yet tapped to sort of grow.
1: I personally think it's cheaper to expand your market, like going to other markets digitally than to go into TV billboards. The only thing is, is that if you do TV billboards, you saturate your, like, it's great. Like you're just, you're hitting on every point. So I'm not saying not to do that. I, in fact, I tell my clients like, please go get, especially billboards. I'm a big fan of billboards.
0: We are, I mean, almost exclusively digital at this point.
1: And people think it doesn't work.
0: Oh, it does work. They're well, wrong. I will don't, keep keep thinking that. It, yeah, keep thinking that. No, not no, for your please, sake. Please don't. Not for your. Not for Maria's no, no, sake. no, no, no. Maria's but, very nice. Think that.
1: Yeah, please think that. But I think it only works for like x amount of firms in the market, right? Like five to maybe seven firms in any given market are generating 90% of the cases from digital.
0: And that's, you know, that's true of anything in life. Like, right, I mean, like a handful of uh, podcasters generate like all the podcast listens or yep, whatever. I am, I'm
1: not one of them, so. I, I,
0: I am not, I'm not either, but they, but, 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 you know, look, I look at digital as real estate, like, and it is like, if you're not buying in now, like, boy, it's gonna get more expensive. Like it's beachfront. It's There's still, in 2024, there's still opportunities out there.
1: I just think it's such a shady industry. So people have been burned so many times. People are so hesitant. They think it's snake oil. It's a tough space to be in.
0: I can imagine on your side of things, like it is really tough. My point is, is there are good people. Do your homework. Figure out who works. And also like... You know, at least for me, the people we were, we've worked with, it's like, they don't promise you the sun, the moon, and the sky, not like 20, sign up with us and get 20 cases or, or whatnot. It is a comprehensive long-term strategy and they're honest.
1: Yeah. I always tell people like during, you know, the interviewing process or sales process, I could it'd be really easy for me to tell you what you want to hear. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Cause I don't know. Yeah, Like, if I don't know the answer, I'm not going to answer it. Like somebody will answer it and they'll take your money for 12 months, but it's not going to be me. I'm not going to set the wrong expectations.
0: Yeah. There are honest players in the space. Find them. Yeah.
1: There's mm-hmm. very few of us, but there are. There, there are. There definitely are. And we're not the only ones, but there, it's few.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're out there and none, I, I will tell you also, none of the honest people are the cheapest.
1: No, that's so, the other thing.
0: So, so you know, yeah, you've got to spend into this. Like it is a lot of work. And I mean, for for me, it's like hiring an agency is just an, an absolute no-brainer because links, technical stuff on a website, content, like it's all, it's all necessary.
1: It's not cheap, not because agencies have decided, oh, we're going to charge this much. It's because we need the budget for the links. We need the budget for the content.
0: It's labor intensive.
1: That's what people don't get. It's like, what do you think happens with that money or should? Because I I could see how some people won't reinvest in the project but without the budget it's actually we can't do the job yeah
0: and it's sort of like what it's like one of these things too and if you're not playing all in or most in with it right it's like going to the gym one time a week all you're gonna get is sore
1: (laughs) i love that one because it's so true when i take like three weeks off and then i go back i'm like oh my god why am i sore i'm never sore yeah they say it's actually not a good thing to be sore did you know that
0: I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah, I, I feel it when I walk upstairs. So
1: yeah, they say you're not like if you're continuously getting sore, like that's not good. Like it should happen at first, yeah, because you're used to it, but then you shouldn't. Alrighty, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Maria. This was fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much to Ryan for everything he shared with us today. If you found the story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode, and leave a five star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.